Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is your weekend bonus content edition. We have some things that have popped up lately uh, since just our last post of our Chalk Talk yesterday. And that is Anthony Schwartz and first-round pick Greg Newsom have signed, which is great. The Browns go into camp with everybody squared away from their rookie list. Most teams will. Usually the conversation is built around guaranteed dollars up front and usually to the offset language, meaning if... The Browns were to cut said player, another team who picked that player up would offset the money the Cleveland Browns owed said cut player, rookie, young player on a rookie deal. Uh, But usually the goal is to have offset language in there that allows rookies as a worst case scenario that they get cut and picked up by somebody else. They can then, you know, profit from two places, Cleveland finishing out their guaranteed money in the other place, new contract. So I think that's how I've always understood it. Someone wants to yell at me about that, feel free. I'm not a cap guru, but that's what I've come to understand. But it looks like the Browns are good to go. All of those are signed. The 75th anniversary uniforms are out. Our Brad Stainbrook did a fantastic job illustrating those uniforms to you through our Rumor Central section for you know weeks, dating back to the beginning of July, uh, putting out what he thought the helmet was going to look like, what he's heard, some connections there. Had some photos early last night. We had everything ready to go. Put up the story right when it hit the app. And I uh, hope you guys like them. They're cool. I like the numbers on the helmet. I mean, you know, as cool as Browns uniforms can get, which are pretty simplistic in nature, clean, all of that. And um, I liked them. And it was weird. You know, it's unfortunate this announcement had been made forever. So it's not like the Browns were trying to, you know, upstage the Cleveland Indians dropping everything. I don't know if the Indians felt rushed. There's maybe people with more connections here to the to the new Guardians name change. Again, if you don't like it, you just got to accept it. It's not going anywhere, so you might as well embrace it. Everything, all teams with names that date back decades and decades and decades, it's always going to be really challenging to reset the name, and not everybody's going to love it. You know, not everyone's going to love it because they've grown their whole lives knowing their team. is. Imagine trying to change the Yankees' name. It's just like people are always going to hate that. That's the same with the Indians because the Indians matter to you guys as much as the Yankees matter to their fan base, and, and nobody's going to like what the Yankees have changed their name to. I, I think there are plenty of people that do like the name change to the Guardians. It's some people that hate it, fine, whatever. The uh, logos are up for debate, but they, they're what they selected, so you might as well... You might as well embrace it because complaining will get you literally nowhere on this matter. Same with the Browns' new uniforms. They, they're they always going to keep it pretty simple. I think they did some nice tweaks with the single stripe and the and the numbers on the side. And, and I thought they came out looking really clean. So I hope you guys enjoyed them too. And they'll be really cool to see them wear this year. And they can get even more crazy in the coming years when they can add an, a truly alternate helmet with an alternate color should they choose to do so. So that could be fun down the line. But for now... We get these 75th uniforms, and I think they're really cool, and I think they'll have a lot of fun stuff prepared to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the franchise, which is neat. So um, let's talk about our interview today. We have John Costco on. He does great work with Pro Football Focus. He's one of the lead behind-the-scenes guys with quarterback charting data, so many different things, and I I always enjoy talking to John because he watches the Browns games closely. 
several times, grades them, charts them, all that stuff. And he has a really good feel for what the outcome of the game was, why things happened. So I always try to get him on when, when we can. He's had a busy off season here. And, um, but that's okay. You know, we, we can, we can chat with him now and, and try to chat with him weekly during the season too, for, for some insights. So he's going to share some guys he's excited about, uh, maybe some guys he has some apprehension about with this team, uh, what the data can tell us based on last year, kind of heading into this year, really fun conversation. So let, let's get over to, uh, that conversation right now. John, it's been too long, man. It's been too long. We got to catch up more often. We got to get this thing going into the season. Pro Football Focus is so important. You guys have ingrained yourself into every single conversation around football. That's an impressive. Uh, that's an impressive feat, my friend. Yeah, it, it really is, and you know, it's you know I, I'm just a part of it, and you know obviously a lot of a lot of good work has been done by our our owner Neil. Uh, well, owner is Chris Collinsworth, but founder Neil Hornsby to get this whole thing started, and Chris Collinsworth taken to a next level, and in terms of his ownership, and yeah, it's it's really something that we are able to, um, you know, we were able to, to take this thing to the next level essentially, and with our college product now, and moving moving into uh, other avenues with with sports and stuff like that. But football is the main thing, so it's it's pretty fun to to be to be known and you know be a part of this company. It's impressive. It is It is truly so hard to put yourself in a normal conversation, to put data, to put numbers into football in a normal conversation. I think that that, I think some people have opinions on it one way or the other. I think if you can't see the value of it, that's on you. Um, but, but like to me, to be able to take data, put it into numbers and make it a part of everyday conversation folks have is impressive. I would wonder, where does it end for you guys? Do you guys think like, you could ever creep into the high school level and, and work on an even bigger, broader scale, or, or does it go to other sports, like you just said? So it is a um, – we do have some high school data and stuff that we've, we've dabbled in. Um, it is a, it's a matter of being able, being able to have the budget to be able to do it, you know, getting paid to be able to do that type of stuff. But sure. I, I think eventually that's going to get there where we are doing, you know, some of the heavy hitters in, in high school. But as you know, there's there's – thousands of high schools across the nation and essentially it's going to be probably done on a does you know does this agency you know recruiting agency need this type of data are they how are they going to get us to tape and and how are they going to pay us or is it going to be college specific I, you know I, I don't know all those answers and stuff like that i know we're going to be delving more into the fcs competition on, on college side this year um we did do that this spring when they had their spring ball and you know, teams are really, really liking that, so we'll we'll do that for them. But um, yeah, I mean, there's we're branching out into other sports. So like, uh, you know, Gordon McGinnis, he's he's a you know one of one of our former senior analysts for football. He's now on on the soccer side of, of the things for for PFF. So there's PFF soccer, hmm. um, and we're developing that product. And there's going to be a f- couple other sports that are coming down the road that are in the works. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of exciting things for. Sports fans in general won't be just football anymore. It's expanding. I'm not going to do anything at all when it comes to soccer or the other sports. <laughs> I'm still all just strictly football. Just Ted Lasso. It. You could be the Ted Lasso of grades and just uh, just just wing it. Just wing it the whole time. Maybe it'll work out. <laughs> um, right, exactly. That bicycle kick looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, give that thing a perfect market. Um, listen, let's talk Browns, though. That's why we're here. That's why everyone's listening. I think there's a lot of interesting data on these guys from last year and some people they brought in. So I'm curious to to, to sort of select a few. Uh, Baker obviously stands out. He finished last year with an 85.7 total offensive grade. 
His uh, pass metric was 85.1. Where are you going into this year? Are you team? And I just ask, I know I've asked a ton of people this conversation point. I know you've probably been asked yourself a hundred point, a hundred times, but uh, I guess maybe I'll cap off for the last time you get asked this off season. Do you think that they should stay patient with him? And if they stay in, in, in regardless of the conversation of, of how he gets paid, uh, how, how did you leave last year feeling about him? I mean, I left last season feeling great about Baker Mayfield and where his game was at. So you look at overall, he was a top 10 graded quarterback, but you look at the, you know, once you essentially got figured out the offense, things started clicking for this offense as they all got on the same page. He was the second highest graded quarterback in the NFL from week seven onward through the playoffs. He was only behind the MVP and Aaron Rodgers, who was, you know, phenomenal. Uh, last year, as we all know, Aaron Rodgers had 93.2 grade from week seven on. Baker Mayfield was a 91.8 ahead of Tom Brady, ahead of Deshaun Watson, who was excellent. Patrick Mahomes, all those guys. You know, they keep that's where his level of play was at last year. Uh, you know, basically post week six. So my feeling on you know it wasn't a, all noise too, right? So one of the things that we look at, multiple things we look at, but you know we have these stable metrics and these unstable metrics and these are these are basically hey based on our data that we have what is more translatable year to year versus what's not so a lot of people look at quarterback play and they see oh but this guy can't perform under pressure it means he's he's really bad and generally you want to be able to perform under pressure that because that does happen but it only happens on average about 30 percent of the time when you when you're dropping back so generally play under pressure is noise so what you do under in the clean pocket is what is more important because you're more likely to be in a clean pocket baker mayfield for the whole season was fifth overall in in passing grade from a clean pocket from that week seven onward point he was top two and he was top two in a lot of these these stable metrics that we have standard drop back, which means there was no play action to help him out. He was just dropping back and firing it for early downs. So first and second downs, those are you know those you have a lot more dropbacks there, and there's and there's more control of what the quarterback can do rather than on third downs. He was a top top graded quarterback in the NFL as well. No play action, another top graded quarterback. So he's in these stable metrics. He's been he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL last year, and especially from week seven onwards, he was he was easily a top three quarterback in many of these metrics. So that's where I'm at with Baker Mayfield. Whatever they do with his contract, you know, I, I'm on I'm on the boat where like it doesn't matter if they're they're patient with it or if they do it this year. I think um, I think from a business standpoint, you want to make sure that this is your guy, right? So. Was was this a 12-game sample size that was kind of a fluke and he's more of like you're an average type of quarterback, which is what you got with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. They, you know, those those teams that paid him a lot of money, they they then traded them two seasons later. So you, do you, you don't want to be that type of team where you thought you had your guy, but, you know, you're only going off of, of one season's worth of data. And while we have a lot of data that suggests that Baker Mayfield – is going to be that guy, you know, the franchise quarterback for the Cleveland Browns moving forward. I, I completely understand them being hesitant to give him that extension this offseason and then and waiting until next offseason. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's. I would say the thing that I'm most happy about, John, is we've had conversations that, that you know, text threads and going back and forth. And we were really worried, man. I know that back and forth between you and I, it's like, like week, weeks one through five are like, this is kind of making me he, uneasy. It, it was good to that bottom, point. He was a bottom three quarterback through the first six weeks of the season. And it was capped off by two atrocious performances against the Colts and the Steelers in week five and six. And first half against the Colts was not bad, but it really kind of started falling off the rails in, in that second half. And it was, mm-hmm. it was really bad against the Steelers in week six. And then everything turned around for him. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot to be concerned about. It was not as if it was... You know, of the flukiness of, of those first six games where, like, the stable metrics were re- all sh- showing really bad for him. Um, yeah. But it, he turned it around, so. Well, that's like you, you brought 2019 into 2020. You started out the way he did. And I just remember saying to you and you to me, like, this can't be it. Like, what whatever, whatever this is can't work, first of all. And if he doesn't figure it out, then... They're going to have some hard discussions coming. Well, he did figure it out. So kudos to him. He did figure it out. Now can he put it together for a full season? I'm sure that's what they're waiting for. If he does that, he'll get paid handsomely, and it doesn't matter because we'll all be happy with it. He throws 35 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 4,000 yards. Probably not going to be many people complaining that they had to give him 2 or 3 extra million every every year, you know, because you got your quarterback. You figured it out. So let's talk other players. I'll ask it both ways, offense and defense. So we'll start offense. The offensive line is, well, the thing that's big about the offense, and you know this, is everybody comes back. And that's a rare thing, to have all 11 players return to your offense year over year. is It's, uh, it's rare. It's, it's important. Because offensive metrics are more stable. You guys have been very vocal about that. Year-to-year offensive metrics are more stable, more predictable. So I guess what I'm asking you, is there anybody... Two, so there's two parts to this. Is there anybody who maybe didn't perform well last year who you think is ready to take a leap? And then on the other side of that, like, is there somebody you could see really being a weak link that causes them to have some issues this year? Should have maybe prepared you for that one a little better. But I think it's okay to kind of go off the riff here and look at the numbers and tell me what you've sort of brainstormed throughout the offseason. Yeah, I think I want to see improvement from the first-round pick from last year, Jedrick Wills. And, and, and we liked him coming out, and he was a good player, right? But last year, toward, you know, he played well in the first half of the season – and as a lot of rookies, you know, happens for them, they, they start to hit a wall and they start, you know, playing a little bit worse as the season goes along, maybe, you know, because they're not used to the rigors of a, you know, a 16 game season and ended up obviously being an 18 game season for the Cleveland Browns. But I think Jedrick Wills, his overall grade last year is a 62.6. He was he was solid as a, as a pass protector as a 77.6, but his his run blocking grade which is kind of a surprise for me that he was this low, but it was at a 52.8. So obviously I think if you can maintain that pass protection grade, 77.6, you can absolutely win games with. We saw that last year they did, but run blocking with this team being such a run heavy team, you can't expect 
everybody on that offensive line to perform as well as they did in the run blocking game again this year. So it's one of the main guys in that regard being Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller's run blocking grade was a 93.6, one of the highest grades we've ever seen from a guard in, in the course of a season, since, you know, in the PFF era. So because of that, I'm expecting him to actually regress from that level to, even if it's in the mid eighties, that, that's a, that's a big difference in terms of what you're getting from Wyatt Teller this year compared to last year. So if you're, if you're getting that, but then you get, a raise in, in Chedrick Wills' grade um, in run in a run game. Maybe he fills out his frame. He's you know he's less less you know chubby and more more muscular or whatever. And just putting on muscle, and he's able to to withstand the rigors of a of a full season. You know that that might have a, be a wash in terms of what the effectiveness of a, effectiveness on that offensive line. So I think I think Chedrick Wills would be the guy that I'm I'm expecting to to perform better, especially as your you know first pick in the in the draft last year at number ten overall. Um, what was the other half of your question you're asking guys? Just kind of maybe make- who who could be a weak link, who takes a step back that gives you some concern about if the Browns come out this year, they're not as productive as we thought they were on offense. Why do you think that might happen? Is there a player or two that would be responsible for that? I would say that that if if they – and it's not a guy that like played well last year, but I, I'm going to say it's, it's OBJ. Like I think if Baker Mayfield and OBJ need to get on the same page to take this – this offense to the next level and we have not seen them get on the same page and and they, they have some they've had some connections that were you know pretty electric obviously the touchdown against the, the Bengals in week two on uh you know on primetime television that was a you know big connection and they have some of those but they need to get on the same page so if 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 OBJ can't get on that same page and Baker Mayfield can't find him on that you know in the scheme of this offense they're going to they're not going to take this to the, to the next level where they need to get to. So I think in, there's not a real concern for me of like, I don't think Joel Batonio is going to fall off a cliff or anything like that. There's no, there's no indication that Jason Treader is going to, you know, be bad at all or, you know, just fall off. I think Wyatt Teller's regression might, there might be something there because we, you know, he really took a big time leap, but I think his physical presence, he's still going to be a, a dominant run blocker and at, at the worst. So, I think I think for the Browns here, it's it's more of of what OBJ can provide rather than, um, you know what because the Browns are really expecting big things from him because they obviously didn't really make any big time wide receiver moves this offseason except for drafting Anthony Schwartz, who is a third round pick, and you're expecting him just to be like a a, a piece to stretch the defense. So for me, it's it's OBJ and Baker Mayfield getting on the same page uh, as the basically the X factor for this offense. Defense now, where are you on the on the overhaul? Do you think they did a lot to to rectify this thing, or you still think there's shortcomings in certain spots? Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. But I just want your general thought on what they did. Oh, I mean, they overhauled the secondary, which is huge, right? So John Johnson, Troy Hill, uh, Greg Newsom, all those additions are are going to spell really good things for the Cleveland Browns this year. And you're talking about Anderson, you know, replacing Anderson Day, who, who had a coverage grade last year of a 43.2 with John Johnson, who's in the upper eighties and one of the highest graded safeties over the path, you know, since he's come into the league, one of the most valuable safeties since coming into the league. So that difference alone is just monstrous. You're talking about adding, adding a win or two for a season, which for a single player being able to, to swing, swing that much, that's not the quarterback is, is huge for, for an NFL team. Um, and then you're talking about Troy Hill, who was the highest graded slot cornerback over the past two years, replacing, 
Kevin Johnson, who graded it at a 52.6 last year. Monster improvement there as well. And getting in Greg Newsom, who opposite of you know Denzel Ward, you had you had Terrence Mitchell, who was a is a fine player. He's not he's not a uh, a massive liability, but he's he created a sixty five point three last year, which is you know you're talking about a slightly below average type player, and he was your eighth highest graded defensive player last year. So you're talking about monster upgrades in the secondary that are going to be it's going to a allow that pass rush to get there. Just another another quarter of a second will allow Miles Garrett to get a couple more sacks. It'll allow Jadavian Clowney to get a little bit more pressure to help an, you know an interior defensive lineman get some get some pressure, get some sacks. So it's it's all going to play together when you when you improve that secondary as it is. I think every, everybody has the same concerns. The linebacker position is probably the weak point, but they're going to be in so much dime. It's not really going to matter in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Let's uh. Let's talk about anybody defensively you might be worried about. Are you okay with Clowney? Do you think he's going to be enough? Do you um, do you think they find a role for JOK? I'm kind, I'm kind of just curious if we look back again. This is more prediction based, but if we look back at the end of this thing, at the end of the year, and maybe they weren't as good defensively turnaround wise as we hoped, is there any spot player, anything that stands out to you that you're most maybe nervous about? I, I think the most nervous position that would make me anything for the Browns is is their interior defensive line and the linebacker core. I mean, I mean, really, I think you look at – I'm not worried about Jadavian Clowney. Um, I know that he has some injury his, issues and he has that history of not being able to play full seasons, but he is a – he's not the a guy that you're expecting to go out there and be this dominant pass rusher. He's going to be your, more of your run defender. I think they have good – you know, a good piece behind him in Tack McKinley um, that can that can spell him and and keep, take the load off him when he doesn't he doesn't you don't want him out there for uh, a full slate of plays in a game. Um, but you're talking about this defensive interior, Malik Jackson. I think is going to be a really solid piece for them, but they don't have a, a true run stopping you know defensive tackle for this team. And while you know, stopping a run, and we talk about this at PFF all the time, like stopping a run is, is like the least important facet of the game. Having guys that can stop the run on your defensive line and also get after the pass rusher is obviously valuable. If you can stop the run and force them to pass, but also when you stop, if you're able to stop the run in in dime packages and nickel packages, it allows you to keep those defensive backs out there. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, you look at like a Vince Wolfork over the years with the New England Patriots, he was so dominant as a nose tackle that he would eat up multiple multiple gaps and allow the Patriots to play with five defensive backs and not have to force those guys into into run situations or into their run gaps immediately. He was able to hold down that defensive line. Um, as the same rings true for for teams that have had these dominant nose tackles over the years. You know, Haloti Nada for the for the Ravens for a number of years. These guys are able to to stop the run and force teams and allow allow you to have an extra defensive back out there so that you can can defend the run and defend the pass when you have a, a do, such a dominant guy like that so I think for the Browns they, they don't have that and I think that's that is their their weak point so when you talk about wanting to stop Lamar Jackson or just have these dime packages it's it, it puts a there is a risk there's a risk that like these guys can't stop the run um, but hopefully you know from from a Browns you know perspective they're racking up the points and forcing the other team into these passing situations so that they can be in these dime situations and not have to worry too much about the run. So that'd be my concern is that they just don't have 
true dominant run defenders outside of Jadavian Clowney, who they brought in. So um, I think I think the what they want to do is be able to have Anthony Walker out there as their Mike linebacker to stop the run, not have to worry too much about the pass, and just have you know really fast dime, you know, deep secondary out there behind, around him so that he's he's protected in the in the pass game. I'll ask you real quick as we close. Who who stands out to you? You you watch all these games, John. You're going to watch every single one. You're going to break them down. Probably watch every single one two or three times. You're one of the rare rare people like me um, who do that. Is there somebody you're most excited about? I mean, it could be multiple guys that, that you're really, really, really excited to watch on film this year. And as you watch it, you kind of key in on them. I've got a couple I've talked about on this pod, but I'm curious if you have somebody new or old, maybe taking a step a little older or something that you're most excited about this year. I think Grant Delpit comes to mind for me because he was going to be such a big part of this defense last year. And obviously when he got hurt, not didn't happen, right? So he hurt his, you know, tore his Achilles. But I think for me, uh, you know, evaluating him coming out of, out of college, he had a lot of missed tackles, uh, but he was an instinctive, explosive player that you could, and that could cover the slot, could cover deep, could be in the box, do all these things. Um, but I think with him, not being able to get to see that and see how he developed and uh, started off the season, you know, we, we got to miss that. So he, it's essentially his rookie year, and he's going to see a lot of snaps, maybe not as many as, as, as anticipated because there's going to be, you know, competition for that safety spot. But I, I think for me, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do on the field because we had him as a, we had him as a first-round pick, you know, I think a top 15 prospect in last year's draft and we, we know he went into you know in the second round um and, you know he's a guy that i liked a lot better than say like a, a jok coming out this year but they obviously play different positions so um we also had jok as, as a first round pick i think jok is gonna you know he's gonna see more bench than than the field this year but for me it's grant delpit all right, he's John Costco. He's Pro Football Focus's uh, ace up their sleeve, man. He does he does great charting work. He does uh, fantastic conceptual stuff. He was explaining to me a key indicator of stats they're going to do for coverage off the air. Not telling you it. You'll see it when it comes out. He's uh, he's great. He's fantastic. John, thanks, man. Hey, thanks a lot, Jake. Always a pleasure. All right, and thanks to John Costco for joining us, taking time on a Friday when he's busy. We will have another weekend bonus content edition for you tomorrow. Should be a fun one. And then I will be out a couple days the start of next week, but I will have two pre-recorded podcasts for Monday and Tuesday for you. Uh, we'll see about Wednesday. Uh, not sure about that one yet, but we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, a reminder, we're going to be going live on Twitch Monday. Again, I won't be there, but our good guys, uh, Stephen Thomas, Andy Lytle will be kicking this thing off. Barry McBride will be in and out of the show. We'll have all the OBR guys. I'll be back, like I said, Wednesday night to help with the streaming as camp is set to get underway. We are on the cusp of new, fresh content, an exciting season. Can't wait to get there with you guys. And uh, it's been a blast this offseason, but as you know and, and I obviously know, it's time to turn the page and talk about something new, which I think will be fun. Uh, reminder again, the Twitch link to sign up and go ahead and follow us so you can know when we're going live is available in the description of this podcast. Keep sharing, keep rating, keep subscribing so you get that fresh content delivered to you for your commute, your gym workout, whatever it is you do with your podcast. They'll be delivered to you, whether Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you use. Uh, really appreciate all the support, guys. Really appreciate it. Have a great Saturday, and as usual, go Browns.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.